And would you, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. That will be the text that we will be focusing on this morning. Acts 2, verses 41 through 47. As we continue this series that we've entitled Acts Awakenings. Before we read the scripture that I'm going to ask us all to read together, I want to kind of set the context, set, give the setting. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm guilty of opening a Bible, and that's a good thing, and starting to read, that's a good thing, but I'm not really aware of just what was going on during the time that this was written. So as you're finding Acts 2, 41 through 47, let me remind us that here we are going in on this scene that's just after Pentecost. Keith preached last week on Awaken to the church, awaken to church. If you have not, if you did not hear that message, I suggest you get it because it will help this make sense as well and where we're going in the weeks to come. But I, I, you know, here we had some believers that were gathered together at this house that they were told to go to and wait for the help that was going to come. But I want to remind us that for these believers that were there, you know, initially there were 11, and then they were joined by others. You know, and it was about 120 initially. And they went there and they started to pray. They prayed continuously. They prayed. They poured out their hearts because their world had been turned upside down. You see, there was only 10 days after the ascension, 10 days after Jesus had gone back to heaven. It was only 50 days since the time that they got word that the tomb was empty. You know, that means it was only a couple more days past that when, when the Messiah the coming Messiah that was doing all these miracles and talking about this kingdom that was to come, you know, had been crucified. It was only three years before this time that we're looking at today that these people that we're talking about heard about how Jesus came out of the desert led by the Holy Spirit and went into the temple and picked up that scroll and declared his mission statement and began his earthly mission. It was only 33 years since this time that we're talking about today that they got word that the Messiah had been born. You know, I, I don't know if you ever thought about it. I don't think I've thought about it a lot until I really started digging into this. But this is the reality. The people that were gathered there, it's very, it's, it's very likely that many of them, many of them would have known about the time when they did not hear from the Lord. That 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament when the Lord was silent. Many of these people would have known about that time. If they didn't know about it, they would have heard about it from their parents and their grandparents. They would have told them, we know that one day God is going to come and see about us. But it had been 400 years. That's the context. That's the setting. And, 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 and on the heels of this setting that I'm painting this picture... Let's look at verse number 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. You remember, Peter stood up in the midst of those 120, and, and, he, and he just preached the gospel. When you look back at it, all he did was preach the gospel. Jesus born, died, crucified, rose again. That's what he preached. And at this festival in Jerusalem, all these people had come and they began to hear the word and they heard about the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people were attracted on that day. Isn't that a miracle? Isn't that amazing? And, I, and, and you know, I wonder why, why did they not just continue to have these big gatherings? 
Because in the scriptures that we're going to take a look at, we're going to find that they did not continue to have big gatherings, but they went deep. They didn't start, they didn't continue to get big, but they were committed to go deep. We're going to look back. We're going to look back. This reminds me, story that Philip Yancey talks about in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace. This, this happened about at the height of the Cold War. You know, sometimes we think we're the only people in history that have tough times, perilous times. You know, this has been going on since, since sin introduced into the world, you know. Some of y'all don't even know about the Cold War. Just Google it. Y'all find out about it later. But it was about the Cold War, and Billy Graham visited Russia to meet with the political and religious leaders of that day. And many conservatives in the United States criticized him for not taking a more prophetic role. One critic accused him of setting the church back 50 years. Dr. Graham replied to that man. He says, I'm deeply ashamed. I've been trying very hard to set the church back 2,000 years. (laughs) See, yes, we're going to look at this beginning. And yes, sometimes we can say it's kind of idealistic. Some of the things we hear, we can't live like they live, but there are some things about this beginning church that I believe we can learn from and apply to our own church, our own lives, and it will benefit us greatly. Are y'all interested in let's going into this? Now, we're not trying to glamorize the early church because they had problems. As we continue in the book of Acts, they had all kinds of problems. We don't have time to go into all of them now, but I'm just, the fact is they were flawed people in a flawed church. But the way they related to God and to one another and to the world is something that we need to consider. Let's read the scripture. Acts 41, 42 through 47. And if you don't mind, can we read it all together? I asked a question. Can I get an answer? Okay, good, good. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We're talking about this morning, awakened to community. Awakened to community. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather in your house one more time. We don't take that for granted. We are so grateful for this privilege. And Father, as we go into this message and look into your word, we ask you, Lord, to just open our Let's, let's have open hearts, ears to hear. Speak to us, Father, about what it is you want us to do and where it is you want us to go. Help us, Lord, to lower down the barriers that we put up from our past hurts, habits, and hang-ups so that we'll be able to hear you clearly. Father, speak now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are three things I think we can glean from this early church. Three things. Three things. Three things that they focused on 
in all their imperfection, they seem to do these three things, and I think the Scripture shows it to us clearly. The first one is that these early believers, they had an inward focus that unified them. They had an inward focus that unified them. Let's look at the Scripture, and I'll show you what I mean by that. I've, I've done some highlighting here. I put the highlight in just to emphasize, but look at, look at what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. That word fellowship, colonia. You know, it's a word that, I, you know, I wish I had a lot of time. We could just, because it goes on and on about what we should do for each other. That's, that's the way they live. That's the way, as a result of the Holy Spirit being poured out and God pouring the Spirit into them instead of on them now. This is what has started to happen. These 3,000 believers immediately began devoting themselves to one another. It, it goes further, I think. I think we got another scripture. Do we have another scripture right behind that? They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I know that challenges us. What? Give myself stuff and give to people that had in need? Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread. There it is again. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I think we can learn something. And I want to, my prayer is that God would challenge us today. And I, I, Challenge you. Now, I'm going to say us. Challenge you. I'm talking to you. God is speaking to you. Challenge us to get out of these self-contained little silos that we built for ourselves. See, these 3,000, you know, just think about the story. The 3,000, yes, they, they were baptized in the Spirit, and I'm not talking about they were saved. saved they were saved because they were baptized because they were saved, because they heard the Word. But they were baptized, so therefore, now they belong to the family. They belong to the kingdom. But what we're seeing now is they didn't stand at 3,000. They began to meet in each other's houses. They, they kept going to the temple, and they started doing the activities that we're talking about. You know why? You know why I believe that was? It's because it's one thing to be converted, but it's another thing to be discipled. And see, now they were being discipled. You know, there's a saying that it takes a village to raise a child. I would say, I would suggest that it takes a community to disciple a believer. It takes a community to disciple a believer. You know, and, and by doing this, really what, what they were doing was really playing out the answer to Jesus' prayer that he prayed back in John 17. Jesus prayed. This was during the time right before he was crucified. He prayed those words. My prayer is not for them alone. He's praying to the Father now. He's praying to the Father under agony, under severe persecution, knowing what was ahead of him. He prayed for us, folks. He prayed for us. When we read this prayer, he not only prayed for the disciples, but he prayed for us here today. Yeah, that's all right. He prayed for you and me right here today. And what we're seeing in these scriptures is beginning to come unfold as he prayed. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one, Father, 
just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world would know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The challenge, my brothers and sisters, the challenge for you, and some of you are going to wear this a lot better than others, we need to get out of this me mentality that we have toward the body of Christ. The second focus I want to talk about is that these first believers, they had an upward focus that magnifies and magnifies Christ, magnifies God. Let's look at it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Those first words by themselves, they devoted themselves. That is so countercultural to what we do in this world today because, you know, we just kind of do it as long as we feel like and then we let it go. But no, not here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And you know what the apostles were teaching about? They were teaching about Jesus. They were teaching about how he fulfilled the Old Testament. They were teaching about his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. That's what they were teaching about. And look, look, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. This new community that we're looking at, they experienced God very deeply because they devoted themselves. They experienced awe and wonder. You, you see the scripture. And in the rest of Acts, we see it played out, how much they prayed and worshiped and celebrated God's power and presence in their lives and in their midst. Here's my challenge for us. I'm full of challenges today. Don't worry, I'm challenging myself at the same time. Don't think I'm just putting it all on you. It's a challenge for all of us. We need to protect our posture toward God. We never need, we should never lose the awe of his power and his presence. We should never lose sight of the fact that just like what they experienced, God came and saw about me one day. And we should never lose sight of that. We should never forget that. In our conversations with one another, in our community, that ought to come up every now and then. How God rescued me. Be surprised if we just tell it sometimes what that would do for someone else. It may encourage another person. Peter wrote about this. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. Look, look at the words of Peter. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Would you want to, be, would you want to get rid of that stuff in your life? Anybody want to get rid of that stuff in their life? He says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now, now I want to pause here for a second because I, I've heard that scripture and I always thought about that Peter was just talking about, you know, just read the Bible more. 
study more, you know, come to church more. But the ending part of that scripture puts a whole nother light on it. He says, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. See, that's the, that's the thing. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, crave more of him. Let us never lose our passion. May we never come into this building and not sense his presence amongst us. And this is a good thing. Not only can we experience it here, but we can experience it in that group of 12 or 10 or 6, that community in which I'm, I'm inviting us all to be a part of. You know, I could go on and on with these scriptures, but I, I know, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm looking at the scripture and I'm le- reading about these, these people in the first church. Uh, it's great stuff, but it's, it, comes, it comes home to me when I can hear it from somebody that I can see and touch. And we have some people that have prepared something for you to talk about just how they have experienced the richness of community. I invite your attention to the screen. At first, it was a little scary. At first, it was a little scary. Because it's not always warm, fuzzy. It's, it's hard. I am at my best when I'm in a women's community group. Well, it's nice to meet with, with other people that are trying to do the same thing. And iron sharpens iron, and we have really done that. We come close together. Um, and sharing our story and what we got from the message and um, breaking things down. We lift each other up, we pray for each other, we support each other, and we really do become family. But then with the challenge came the support of we're here to help you get to that point and the love and the encouragement. During um, births and deaths, and we have really become like a family. We share a lot of things together. We share uh, a baptism. We share... Um, a birth of a grandson. Um, a wedding. A wedding. It's community. I mean, I know that we're doing life together, and that's what we say, but we really have done life together. We've done hard things. We've done happy things. And the prayers have been rich. You know, praying for each other as we talk about those things and revolve around those things. We've had some rich, powerful times of prayer and been able to see answers to prayer. And it's just a blessed brotherhood of Dealing with leadership, dealing with being a son, a father, an uncle, a brother. Um, and those issues that are really focused on what men deal with and being a husband also. We do a lot of fun stuff. We talk about a lot of serious stuff and some good topics. Um, had some great, great lessons. The depth that you could sort of get into on Sunday mornings. We're all there to pray for one another, to love on one another. It's just an awesome, awesome group. It has accountability. 
it allows me to sort of reel back into Sunday's message in the middle of the week. It helps me to just stay focused in on that message and relive it and, and pass it on to other people. So yeah, it's been good. Really like family. And it gives me a place uh, where I always feel welcome, a place where I feel like I belong, and a place where I feel comfortable. When I go to my community group leader's house, it feels like a second home. I hope they don't mind me saying that. Um, but that's how comfortable I feel when I'm there. And even though our group is a little bit bigger than what a community group would have been when we were in a small 12 people group in home, it still feels small. It still feels cozy. For me, it's like having an extended family. There are just a lot of wonderful people in there. We start sharing our stories, we share our lives, and we realize how many commonalities we have. I spent a lot of time with him outside of the group. He's a wonderful brother in Christ. We are, we're sort of like two peas in a pot, or I guess you say two brothers from another mother. And there are some, some great people in our class that really add to the discussion. Is the fellowship directly with and dealing with man issues. And even though we're meeting at the church, it still feels like home folks. I love it. I've made some really wonderful friends. It's nice to have somebody on the same life journey you're on. I think this meeting other people from the church in small group has helped us really to grow and plug in with Christ Community Church. That's yeah, great. it's a lot of fun. We do outreach and we also do fun things together. We have been more involved in Kingdom Kids and also VBS, things like that. Um, anything the church has going on that we can participate, it really has opened up some doors for us. You know, be a better um, co-worker, a better mother, a better friend, a better Christian, all the things that are important to me. It took me a while to realize this, but it is the best self-care I can give myself. It's the best I, I ever am. It's the most connected I am to God. So when you have all of the above, change is kind of, um, you can't, it's impossible not to change. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. And I love it. And uh, for us, we, we really enjoyed it. I suggest everybody be a part of a community group. It's been wonderful. Would you give those people a hand for volunteering to bring that message to us? The last focus that I want to bring to us this morning is that by being in community, by accepting the invitation, by accepting the challenge to come out of our own little individual places and come into this rich community in which God has for us, we found in that early church that they had an outward focus that multiplied. One final look at the scripture again. Verse 45 and 47, they sold properties and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And then look at this last part. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And what happened? And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being 
saved. I know for some of us, because I was there at one time in my life, where the thought of really opening up myself to somebody else really kind of scared me. I've been hurt before. I experienced disappointments. But I want to go back to the 3,000. The 3,000 experienced conversion on that day. But you know the danger of not going to discipleship after conversion is we start to drift away. And the enemy, and we are prime candidates for the enemy to just wreck our lives. I'm challenging us today that if that's you, if you were in that place that I found myself years ago, where I really didn't want anybody to know, I kept the face up. I kept, I was good at smiling. Everybody talks about how a good smile. I can turn that thing on anytime. I could do it just like that. And sometimes I would be guilty of doing it when inside I was empty and hurting so bad. And I want to say to you, the reason why we took the time to put that, Billy, Billy Gross was responsible for putting that video together because we want you to know that if you would just take a step of faith, try it. I'm looking at one right now that tried it and she likes it. Try it. I'm looking at a brother in my community group just standing, sitting right there looking back at me that I knew when he first came to this church, he used to sit and be all by himself. And he took the challenge. And now we know more about each other than we would ever known if we kept going in our separate circles. And it's not just knowing about each other. It's about knowing him and him knowing us and other people knowing who he is by looking at us. This city needs to see us united as a group that believes in community. Amen? Some of y'all don't act like y'all believe that. This, this city needs the witness of a unified church that loves each other, that prays for each other, that encourages each other, that doesn't let any differences come between them. It doesn't matter if you're Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Georgia Tech. It doesn't matter. We serve a risen Savior. And that's what binds us together. And the world needs to see that. The world needs to see that. You know, we, we prayed over this scripture at Crave on Thursday morning, praying for each other is an awesome privilege that we have here. And, and I don't have time to go into it, but you, you know, you know there's times that you can come for prayer. And Thursday we were doing this. And, 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 I, and I, I told people what I, you know, I suggested that we pray over these scriptures. And we dispersed and we prayed about it. We got back together and we were getting ready to share what we had heard from the Lord. That's what, that's what I know what we do. And one of the young ladies that's in our group, that was in that group that day, as we dispersed, she came to me and she said, Derek, I, I got to share this with you. I, I, I've been in a tough place. It's been hard. I've been, I've been, trying, I've been asking the Lord to heal me. And, 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 and last night, I, I, just, I just could not function and I was crying out to the Lord, Lord, when are you going to heal me? Not just to heal me, so that the world will have a testimony of your greatness. And she said, you know, she, she, she was just beside herself, and the Lord began to speak to her, and she wrote these words down. I want to read them to you now, because I believe these words that the Lord gave to her are for us. This is what she wrote. The reason for all these difficulties is that I am calling you to look at each other. Trust each other, pray for each other, 
and love each other in a purity and wholeness that is new and better and more complete. I'm not doing this because it is quaint when Christians love one another. There is purpose for your unity. You must be united and you must understand and love one another in order to pull in full nets of fish. Pulling full nets of fish into a boat rocks the boat. It is difficult. It is heavy. It is slippery. And some of the fish can even hurt you. You must know how to work together. You aren't ready to pull in nets nets full of fish. I am getting you ready. Yield to the difficult times and yield to one another in this season. Then I love this ending part she has. Don't hide your weaknesses from each other. Trust that I am preparing you for a good thing. A brand new thing. Are you ready for a brand new thing in your life? Is anybody ready for a brand new thing in your life? We're going to close this service today by sharing in Holy Communion together. As those that's preparing elements come up and start to prepare that, we're going to do this today. We're going to do this, and we're going to do some responsive reading to prepare our hearts for communion. Now, communion here at Christ Community Church, we do by intention. All of you are welcome to share in communion if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. But I want to use this liturgy to prepare our hearts and our minds. I'm going to read the, 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 the uh, yellow print, and we will all together read the white print as they prepare. Let's do this unto the Lord. Let me start us. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sins and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. And all together, merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.